Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us for the last session of the Technology Now Online Summit. My name is Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor, and I'd like to welcome you to a live recording of the EHS on Tap podcast titled Proactive Measures, Integrating Technology for Workplace Safety, Sustainability, and Risk Mitigation. This episode is sponsored by Evitix. Evitix is a global EHS software company transforming the way employees and contractors engage in workplace health and safety. Evitix's intuitive mobile-first application fosters worker participation, guiding frontline activities while capturing rich data to help prioritize safety and operational improvements and ensure compliance. And now I'd like to introduce my guests, Langdon Dement, Global EHS Specialist at Evitix, and Katrina Jackson, Sustainability and Environmental Programs Leader for Evitix. Welcome, folks. And before we jump doing? into our discussion, hey, <laughs> before we jump into our discussion, uh, I was wondering if you both could tell me a little bit about yourselves. Uh, and Katrina, why don't you go first? Hey, I'm Katrina Jackson. Um, I've been with Evitix a little over two years, but I've been in environmental health and safety, sustainability, and pollution prevention for a little over 25 years. Um, I started my career um, as a chemist and as a consultant for the Department of Defense, managing their hazardous waste, hazardous material programs, and helping them realize efficiencies um, through digital transformation. I'm excited to be here today. Excellent. Langdon? Sure. Uh, thanks, Jay. Uh, Langdon Demet, Global EHS Advisor here. I've been with Evotix for three years. Uh, prior to that, I guess I, I began about 12 years ago, got my master's in occupational health and safety, industrial hygiene. I went to work for a uh, large company. Part of it was a similar function to what we do here at Evotix with health and safety software, but then also a, a, a testing very large arm. And then uh, as well, I've been doing health and safety at property, employees uh, across the realm, uh, and been fortunate to do global for about 12 years now. So been here with Evotix for three years, trying to help any way we can internally and externally talking EHS. Yeah. Uh, and you have a podcast. And, and I have a podcast, yes. Two bald guys. Tell us, tell, us a bit, tell us a bit about it. <laughs> um, it was a... I think what started off originally, so go back to the beginning as a, not a joke, but as a just kind of a fun thing to try to talk safety, bring a little, bring a little of the mundane, maybe to um, a little freshness. It, we really started picking it up and kind of a, kind of avalanched. And now it's something we, we push quite a bit. It's something that we've been fortunate. We've, we're picking up a lot more, a lot more guests, a lot of, um, a lot of followers just really trying to trying to bring health and safety to simplistic terms to to fun things and not just the you know not the negative connotation that we that we typically think about with with EHS and it's called two bald guys talking safety two bald guys talking safety it's Katrina and myself right, just get get <laughs> nah, I was going to say yeah it's both of us <laughs> Katrina's joined, though. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, well, let's get into our discussion. Uh, we want to talk about, uh, start off talking about technology and sustainability uh, and sort of, you know, how do we use technology to meet the, the rising needs uh, of sustainability? And obviously, there's data collection and reporting involved. But uh, Katrina, why don't you uh, start us off? 
There is so much data needed in sustainability reporting and anybody who has taken on this task or is looking at this daunting task realizes that immediately. There is so much data to collect internally, externally, questionnaires to send to your suppliers. There's just a lot of information that you need to collect and analyze. Um, a lot of targets to be analyzed, usage data. It just makes sense that you have some sort of solution as a part of your plan to organize all the information that you'll need to actually present a clear sustainability report or, or even you know, be able to synthesize your data within a framework. You have to have some sort of technology. And I think anyone who's looking at, okay, we need to start some sort of climate risk analysis. We need to start some sort of sustainability reporting has to be thinking that. There's absolutely, it's just gonna be so daunting to have an Excel sheet that you keep in SharePoint and everybody sort of passes it around. It's going to be extremely difficult to be able to grab that information and be able to use it in you know any sort of efficient way without technology, especially just being able to have actions, just being able to have that escalating notifications and actions that comes with technology so that when you don't get the information you thought you would, you can ping that person. And then an automatic reminder goes out. I don't know about anybody else, but I do have trouble remembering things sometimes. I mean, not when it comes to like shopping or eating or whatever, but <laughs> if it's work related and possibly data oriented, it's so easy to just forget, oh, I was supposed to enter in um, the, you know, our electricity usage this month. I was supposed to enter in our water usage. It's just really easy to kind of forget those little follow-up tasks that you need to do. And technology just helps you accomplish those things. Um, you know, do you see, where, where are people sort of on that, on that sort of scale right now? Are people, are you seeing a lot of people uh, using technology for these purposes? Or is there still a lot of people that are kind of, you know, in that, you know, adjusting phase where they're trying to figure it out and maybe they're not quite where they need to be. Oh my gosh, every day I'm really surprised by the number of people that I, I run into that are still evaluating. They're thinking about technology or looking at possible platforms and they just are having trouble either making a decision, um, obtaining funding and, and maybe getting support to bring on, you know, a new platform into their ecosystem. Every day I hear someone say to me, hey, we're just using Excel sheets. Hey, we're just using SharePoint. And it's always a surprise. And I congratulate them. Like you've been working <laughs> this whole time and this is what you've had to work with with limited tools and resources. That's amazing. Um, but I am always surprised at the number of businesses that I run into where they're still really trying to get support to, you know, to be able to bring a new platform um, into their ecosystem. It's, it's shocking sometimes, um, bigger companies get it. I think if they're a larger company, they have more resources, they have more funding. Um, there's definitely that support. And so it's not as hard you know, for them to move forward with a platform, but sometimes those medium, small size companies, it just takes a little bit more justification um, for them to move forward. Langdon, what are you seeing in terms of, you know, sort of that, that sort of move from 
doing it the old way to, you know, getting kind of up to speed with, with, the, you know, technology to help you do this, this kind of work. You know, I think <clears throat> Katrina, keep me honest here. Um, <laughs> for the, for the integration, when you think about where, you know, what was it? Sustainability and then circular economy and how it's kind of evolved. It seems, especially as the larger, uh, global organizations as they are, as they're doing it more, as it's, you know, uh, as regulations um, begin occurring throughout the world, I think, I mean, technology, right, it makes everything, <laughs> it makes everything more simple, mm -hmm. usually. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's always hiccups, but, you know, to me, I kind of see this in that similar framework to where health and safety was. 10 years ago, and honestly, still uh, still experiencing a lot of growing pains. It's trying to simplify processes and what what tools can we put in place to to really help that? You know, so for me, I think it's definitely technology can only can only help. It's you know the challenge around some of it is going to be the management of it, meaning who is managing. There's you know you, you that's a whole different that's a whole different road we can go down. But when you think about how the EHS a lot of times managers already they're doing some of their basic e but then a lot heavier uh, h and s and sometimes not even the h just a lot more s and then how the runoff from the from health can uh, kind of occur and intermix so i think i don't know i think it's a i think it's a challenge but also i think a lot of organizations are going to be pushing and a lot of the big organizations honestly they already are right so <laughs> it, it's it's definitely a hot topic and something that i think more focus is going to be needed on um you know, obviously, you know, if you're still using spreadsheets or, or some kind of, you know, SharePoint or something else to do this kind of work, uh, you know, the key is probably getting buy-in, right, to, from your leadership to, to really sign off on, um, mm -hmm. you know, a product like this. You know, what what do you need to do? You know, I, I imagine the argument's easier now than it was 10 years ago to mm -hmm. say, hey, we really need to do this. You need to, you, know, you, need to, you know, back us up here. But, you know... You know, how should you approach your leadership if they're kind of in the shoes of someone who's, you know, kind of spreadsheets or whatever? Go ahead, Lane. Start us off. No, um, you know, for me, I, I think. Well, it, it's funny because I think it's pretty. Uh, I would tie this back honestly to the cultural maturity honestly, organizational maturity. Some organizations that have to do it, they're going to, I think those, and if they view it as that reluctance, they're going to, there's going to be more of a challenge. Um, you know, but if it starts being framed where other organizations are discussing, Hey, what do you have in place? Then there's a level of pertinence that comes about. And if, whether your leadership is on board or not, if, if they're not providing certain criteria, certain collection reporting, you're going to see a different, I think a different avenue, a different response to that. So, you know, for me, it, it's, it's about kind of painting that, that big picture. And Katrina, what do you think? I, from a lot of organizations, I'm saying a lot of it is usually coming from the, the uppers or at least somebody in some type yeah. of what I'll call, quote unquote, power play. I think what drives it is when you want to see the data in a certain way. So corporate will say, why, why aren't we getting reports that are showing trends? Why aren't we getting reports that are showing clear targets and objectives? Why aren't we getting reports that reflect, you know, all of the nuances that you get when you use technology? 
or when you have BI reporting or, or these other tools that, were, that analyze data agnostically, and they want to see those things and they want to publish, you know, you want to publicize, you know, the things that you're doing in this very transparent way and, and the way that you can, technology allows you to kind of show off your data. You want to show it off in these reports if you're asking for that. So you're, you're asking for a platform. And sometimes that becomes the push where corporate says, you know, we want to produce this kind of reports that we're seeing everyone else produce. We want to show that we want to show that justification. We want to show all of, you know, the efforts that we're putting in to be sustainable or maybe pollution prevention efforts, maybe even recycling, um, maybe the change in processes that they're doing. Um, they want to show those off and ultimately you're going to need some sort of technology to do that. And I think that that realization I'm hearing more often, a lot of people are coming in and saying, you know, they really want to have data analytics. We really want to see these board reports. We, you know, corporate really wants us to have, you know, <laughs> charts and graphs and not just data. Yeah. And that has been very interesting to kind of see that move where it is a little bit more of a, a push from corporate and which makes it easier you know, for the EHS person or the sustainability person, or if you're both, because <laughs> that that I've seen that more and more too. Whereas EHS yeah, and yeah. S, that's like that's a job. Um, so if you're both, it makes it easier for you to justify if you want all of this data collected, if you'd like to have these reports, in, you know, ready in this time frame and in this way. This is the resource that I'm going to need to make that happen. So Katrina, uh, you know, if you're an EHS manager, uh, what data points do you need to collect? Gosh, there's so many data points. <laughs> there's so many data points. And well, even when you look at frameworks, there's so many, there's so many. And even when you look at frameworks, you kind of have to evaluate the framework and kind of pick, you know, the, the material topics or um, the risks that apply to you. But at, at the very basic level, let's say you're doing scope one and two, which is what you burn and what you buy, what you're going to be looking at is your utility usage information. So your water, um, is there oil, gas, electricity, um, your waste, um, that like at, at beginning, like that's your foundational information. Those are data points that you'll want to begin immediately to start collecting that information, just basic utilities and waste and then from there building on um uh, travel even that can be part of scope two um but building from that starting to look at scope three so you'll want to start collecting the same sort the same type of information from your suppliers um and that information can include social and governance governance information not just you know usage data points so information about employees, your diversity, um, how are workers treated, um, and collecting that from your suppliers as well, because there's nothing worse than you're making all these efforts and you're making sure, you know, you have this diverse workforce and um, this is a great place to work and you're reducing, you know, your electricity or, or attempting to find clean energy sources. And then one of your suppliers is hiring children. That's not good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not, yeah, good. not good. That is not good. So thinking about what are the questions, what's the information that I need to get from my suppliers so that I can ensure they're not putting us at risk. 
climate-related risk or even financial risk? What, what are those questions that I need to ask my suppliers? So there's so many moving parts for sustainability reporting, or even if you are thinking about you know, a GRI or TCFD framework, um, making sure that you're collecting all of that usage data, calculating your emissions, um, and looking at down the road, looking at your suppliers and how you're going to meet scope three requirements. Um, you may have a little while in North America for scope three, but there's there's definitely more of a push. And typically when things come from, you know, we have that new law in California, um, it's a two part SB 253 and 261 together to make that, that climate um, corporate data accountability. And when you look at California previously, I mean, at one point with vehicles, remember there was a separate emission standard in California than every place else. And then the collective was, well, why are we driving a different car in California than in the rest of the nation? So California sort of pushed that forward that now we have these emission standards all over the country. So perhaps seeing California enact this law, seeing how it's going to withstand, because of course there's going to be some sort of legal challenges as always, but seeing how it withstands those legal challenges, it's going to let you know, okay, this is the data that I need to begin collecting. And this is what's important. These are the, mater the material topics important for my business. And these are things I need to focus on for my sustainability reporting. A lot, right. sorry. <laughs> a, no, I mean, people need to start thinking about this stuff. Um, let's talk about uh, proactivity and risk mitigation. Um, Langdon, how can you be more proactive when it comes to mitigating risks and, and you know, just risk management. I think um, so. Risk management as a whole is pretty. It's a broad topic, realistically, right? And when we think about it from the health and safety perspective, <clears throat> we a lot of times I feel like we generalize it, and it's kind of a similar theme to what we've been talking about. Anything that we want to do that we want to simplify, create better efficiency, effectiveness, right? It is. It's determining ways to be more proactive, helping employees to be cognizant, leadership to understand the importance of of that risk mitigation, spinning it from a the negative light that it, I feel like historically it kind of, really it, it's been, right? Whether it's, you, you think about it from the past, you know, incident investigation, for example, that's a negative, realistically, when we hear incident investigation, usually you're that's a negative thought that that comes to mind. So anything that we yep. can do when it when we've taken it past that, we start thinking about other ways of of identifying hazards and risks in the workplace. Understand what does good really look like? The pre-incident uh, learnings, pre-incident investigations, learning events, whatever you want to call them. Different things that we can start we can start tools we can use to really empower the workers to then be cognizant, everyone be involved in kind of looking around. That's when I think we start seeing a greater, a greater change from the risk mitigation standpoint, because it's, it's difficult to really establish a proactive level of really health and safety in general. Um, I think that's a challenge that, that we've seen over the last, you know, over the last 10 years, especially during the, you know, we call the C word that must not be named. That's COVID. Um, nothing. <laughs> More negative than that but when we sit when we hear covid we don't you know it it showed a perfect example of how many organizations 
felt comfortable with their infectious disease exposure control programs, felt like they had the policies in place, they were doing good assessments. Mm -hmm. And what that showed really and truly was now valid, you know, it was something that was contagious. I mean, you know, yada, yada, we'll go down that rabbit hole. But what it showed was there, there was room to grow. And it showed there was a certain yeah. level of, of proactivity that was lacking. And then a, a lot of focus got put on COVID, on how to mitigate this, on how to get people back. And general health and safety, it fell to the wayside. And it was because right. leadership focus, they put the focus for employees, everything kind of became on that. So I think we have to really be, I guess, holistic, quote unquote, um, of thinking about how we can be more proactive when it comes to health and safety in general, to minimizing, mitigating the risks, the hazards we see, tools, you know, whether it's a uh, software tool, whatever whatever we can put in place to really start drawing engagement and uh, making, assisting in, in the identification and minimizing that, I think that's when we start seeing some some better better change for sure. Katrina, any thoughts on that one? I just... I think it, it's full circle when you think about sustainability is like your climate related risk and just looking at it full circle, you know, thinking about risk mitigation as climate related risks too. These are all ways to insulate your business and, and kind of think about your processes in a new way um, as far as being proactive, but just thinking about risks aren't just the physical risks that we're thinking of when yeah. we think about health, environmental health and safety, but also climate related risks that can impact your business, impact your profitability, impact your supply chain, impact your ability to um, obtain resources and, and human resources as a part of that. Um, are you seeing more businesses being proactive now? Uh, you know, obviously coming out of COVID and, you know, sort of seeing, you know, maybe some, their shortcomings that they didn't, you know, and who prepared for it, but like, you know, obviously, you know, identifying things that they could improve on. Are you seeing folks, you know, being more proactive? Uh, Langdon, which starts off. Um, uh, yes and no. And and I say that because I think, it again, it really depends on the organization. I think a lot of them are, you know, you hear risk assessments. A lot of people are doing risk assessments. Most are, and that's great. But they're doing them the way they've historically always been done. You know, uh, to Katrina's point, thinking outside the box of the typical safety that we employ safety or thinking, finding a hazard. You know, one one example, a lot of times we don't even take take the consideration of working with other people. So like the workplace violence potential, are we ensuring that 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 a worker is ready to start the job safe? They're mentally ready to do it, their wellness, well-being. So I, I think. You know, even in the general sense, everyone, for the most part, has been very, very good about trying to be proactive with risk assessment. Hey, have we done our, have we done our in-depth JHA on this task? Have we done our broad risk assessment? And yeah, you know, it's great. Check, check, check. But I don't know that we're always considering some of the things that we should be to truly be proactive. And I, uh, to me, that's one of the changes that that we're seeing in a lot of organizations that that are really far in what we would say is the cultural maturity. I think they are, um, but even then, right? Uh, there's a lot that, that aren't. So it, it's it's very yeah. dependent to me on the organization. As far as the ones that are really being proactive and starting to think outside the box to, uh, uh, you know, the plethora of different avenues, I, I would say it's slim. I don't, 
for what yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. Katrina, what are you seeing? I see more companies asking about change management, which excites me because that means you're thinking about change. And you, in order to make those changes, you're thinking about how do, how do we have or create, how do we create a transparent change management process? Because that's the next step. We want to make changes and we know that we're going to make a lot of changes. So now how can we make that, that process more transparent, um, easier and more efficient? So the first step, I think, when I see companies that are attempting to be more proactive and are really thinking proactively, they are reevaluating their change management process. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay, you, you, there's this thought or understanding that you're going to have to make some changes. And so you're planning for that um, by looking at all of the, you know, all of the steps that you need to complete that change of that change management. And that's been exciting to see, like all of those inquiries for management of change, because that means that you're thinking about changing, you're evaluating yourself and you're seeing, okay, where in my processes, where and how we do business, can we make a change? Now, why they're making that change, not always clear, (laughs) but that they're making change is a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. Langdon, what are some best practices to consider when you're trying to have a risk management mindset uh, and possibly creating new risk assessments? I think we've hit on a few of them. And honestly, it, uh, out of the box, it's keep it simple. To me, we health EHS as a whole, EHS and S, we historically overcomplicate, whether it's a mm-hmm. procedure, whether it's a simple process, a program, whatever it is. So I think one, just kind of keep it simple understanding what what are we presently doing what are we wanting to do what gaps exist you know and you have to be very introspective in this phase because it might be something that i've created or something that someone sits very close to and understand hey you know what we could have done this better and i think to me that's that's something that's very real that we have to take into consideration that we want to change we want to improve so keep it simple, identify areas of improvement, determine where we want to get, use tools. I mean, there's a, there's a plethora of tools out there that can, that can minimize and really streamline efficiency within your own organization. And there's not always a one size fits all. Everyone is different, of course, but, you know, determine what is that and how we can, how can we create these maybe generic templates that then can be applied to our own process you know and that's one of the to me that's one of the uh, pivotal things a lot of times we see organizations that they just want something out of the box and realize that keep it simple but apply it to to your organization apply it to your people mm-hmm. apply it to your workplace so that that's i would say those i mean just i guess to keep it to three those would be my my three um, that i would say as you're kind of trying to create more proactivity around general risk. Katrina, what do you think? I have like uh, one, just, I have like one, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just go ahead. I know sometimes it's, it's just getting started. Um, but walking companies through, like just setting up a general risk, like just do it, just, just do it. Um, walk through your facility, just complete one. It's super illuminating. 
And that is the feedback I always get back. I always get like, oh, we didn't realize or, oh, we learned this. And, oh, I can't believe we missed this. And that is always exciting when they yeah. just go ahead and, you know, say, you know what, we're not going to wait until this is configured perfectly. We're not going to wait until mm -hmm. all the fields match, you know, perfectly. We're just going to start. And that is always what I recommend is just do one, like just start. And then everything else will become clear to you. You'll know exactly how you want to customize the forms specifically for you or, or how you want your particular assessments, what the workflow is for you. Like just start, just, just do one. <laughs> is it, yeah, is it just sort of is it a case in a lot, with a lot of folks that, you know, they're taking on too much, they're trying to make it this huge project when they could just, mm -hmm. like you said, just do one and kind of get the ball rolling that way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, it becomes like this daunting task, I think, especially when you have so many other things to do, it can become this really daunting task, like this is one more thing. And totally understand that. But if you just do one and just do the minimum, you know, you don't have to, you know, get 10 people out, like just do the minimum, have maybe walk through with you and one other person, or just assign it as a task for maybe um, that particular, you know, location safety officer. Um, just have them walk through and, and do a risk assessment. It's, and it, it will just illuminate so much that you probably didn't even realize should be addressed. It's just very helpful just to sort of start where you are, which is what I always and say, that gets, just start where you are. And that gets the ball rolling to kind mm -hmm. of move beyond that once you kind of get yes. the first one done. Then it's like, oh, we understand what, you know, we can, now we can start with JHAs and, you know, that now they want to move forward with other types of risk assessments. But just starting with that, you know, that first general risk, just general risk assessment. What are the assessments in the, at this location? And then they can start, they start seeing, you know, opportunity and seeing changes that can be made. And it, that's exciting. All right. Well, that's good advice. And we are going to wrap it up now. Um, I want to thank uh, Langdon Dement and Katrina Jackson of Evitix for being here with us today. Thanks to Evitix for sponsoring the session. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you.